Welcome to the sermon ministry of River Community Church, a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana. Our purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org. From the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, teach us to hear your word afresh. We know this story. and Sometimes knowing a story can make it hard to hear afresh. But your spirit gives us hearing. So we ask that you would wake our ears up. That you would make our heart ready to receive. Father, guide me in the preaching that I would be faithful and proper before your word and that I would preach it as it is meant to be preached. But Father, without your Holy Spirit, it will do nothing. So we ask you, anoint me 
and anoint this word with your spirit. And we will be confident it will not return void. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been going through a series that has been looking at discipleship by following the Apostle Peter as he is formed under the ministry of Jesus. And we have been in this series for several weeks, and we have seen several critical lessons for ourselves as disciples. Last week, we saw that a disciple is one whose faith is growing. We know that our faith is born of the Holy Spirit because it is a faith that is alive. And how do we know that it is alive? It is growing in submission to the Word. It is growing in its recognition of God's grace. It is growing in devotion to the Lord. We saw that in John chapter 6. And this week, we move into John chapter 13, where we are approaching the cross. John's gospel has chapters 13 to uh, 18, preparing the reader for the cross. And all that he is teaching is teaching that is uh, directed and centered in the cross. And that is something essential for us to recognize as we come into this passage today. Because the, the, the teaching of the foot washing is not something that we can understand separated from the crucifixion of Christ. It is clear that John wants us to read the foot washing as a, as a story that illustrates what is the greater lesson of the cross. We see that in verse 1 where Jesus is aware that his hour had come. The careful reader of John recognizes that the hour that had come is a, is a reference to Jesus' crucifixion. And we see in verses 6 and 7 when Jesus comes and washes, washes Simon's feet, Jesus explains that what he is doing right now you do not understand, but afterward you will understand. Clearly, he is saying that once you have seen the cross, you will see these two stories together, and you will see that the cross and the foot washing are pointing at the same thing. The foot washing of Jesus is here to help us understand the cross and what Jesus does on the cross. And so as we go through this passage on foot washing, the key point of the message is that disciples live by the cross of Christ. That is the most important thing for the disciple to do, to, to be grounded and lived in the cross of Christ, to be by the cross. Oh, this is such an important thing for us to grasp and wrestle with today because we are always in danger of leaving the cross, of putting the cross in the past, of minimizing the cross's message to our life. One uh, example of this is... Uh, Steph Curry, 
one of the great basketball players that is uh, playing in the NBA right now. Uh, he has made as his motto, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we see in all of his products this, this phrase from Philippians 4.13 as a way of testifying to his faith. Except he doesn't quote the full verse, or at least the full verse is not what is quoted on all of the merchandise that goes with Steph Curry. What does the merchandise of Steph Curry say? He does not say, I can do all things through Christ. It says, I can do all things. You see, you chop off those words through Christ. You move away from being with Christ and centered in Christ and suddenly you have a completely different message. I can do all things is the message that is preached to our heart through marketers. It is preached to our heart through many alternative uh, presentations of, of the way to live. And it is so easy to shift ourselves from a center in the cross to the message, I can do all things. You see, when we cut out the cross, when we cut out Christ, we end up in a, in a land that uh, the great reformer Martin Luther called the theology of glory, which I am just going to call the theology of I can. And what the theology of I can is built on is the, is the belief that you can do what God requires. You can make yourself what God desires. You can make yourself right with God. The theology of glory, the theology of I can, believes that within us is the ability to accomplish glory. And when we have that belief, we are not resting in the cross. In fact, we are the enemy of the cross. But we are all subject to falling for an I can theology. Beloved, this leads to destruction. As we saw in our catechism questions, and read Romans chapter 3 verse 20, for, the works, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. If we live in an I can theology, we are living under the condemnation of these words, no human being will be justified, for no one will be able to fulfill the works of the law. This I can theology, this theology of glory is something that was in the disciples' heart. We see that, we'll see that in this passage as we go through it. And so in chapter 13, Jesus is seeking to take them from a theology of I can to a theology that lives by the cross of Christ. Jesus here calls his disciples to center themselves in the cross, 
to live by the cross of Christ. How so? We'll see three ways or three reasons as we go through this. We will see that because by the cross we know God. By the cross we are cleaned. And by the cross we are servants for one another. Let us look at those, those, in, those, in, those in, in detail. By the cross, we know God. And here we are looking at the first seven verses of chapter 13. When we think of this theology of I can, it starts with how we picture God. How do we picture God? Well, a popular image is that God is powerful, super smart, good, unfailing, successful, invincible, exalted above all things. That is the theology of I can. When that is the God that we believe in, a God that is powerful and and super smart and successful, We have basically made God in the image of what we want. We want God to be what we want to be. We want to be powerful, super smart, successful, good, invincible, exalted. And so the theology of I can simply looks at God as more and bigger and better of these things. The God of I can is grounded in a God that values what we value. We have created a God that says what you are pursuing is good and is making you close to me. But Jesus reveals in this passage that God is totally different then that common idea, that reasoning of God as as just a super version of ourselves. Jesus reveals God to be diametrically different. Look at verses 3 through 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments And taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is a different picture of God. Jesus is God. And in this passage... He reveals God not as the one who exalts himself, but as the one who lowers himself. He is not the one who stands above, but he strips down. He gets down on the floor. He washes feet. This is God in flesh, and he is washing feet. 
Jesus knows who he is. This isn't a confusion of identity. He does this knowing who he is, where he came from. And it is in that knowledge that he performs what he does, getting down on the floor and washing feet. When he comes to Peter, Peter is shocked. Look again at verse 6. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Peter is in terror that Jesus is coming to him to wash his feet. Why? Because this is not how it works. Great people do not wash the feet of lesser people. Exalted people do not humble themselves and become low. This is the theology of of I can coming out of Peter. If you are great, you are above this. You don't perform things like this. In the culture, it was the role of a slave to wash feet. And not even a Jewish slave. A Jewish slave was too dignified. You had to find a Gentile slave to wash feet. Nowhere did any teacher of the law ever wash the feet of his disciples. If anything, it would go the other way. And yet we are told Jesus, who knows where he came from and who he is, that he is washing feet. This is absolutely in contradiction to the theology of glory, which views life as advancement, as exaltation, as becoming more important and less committed to to things like this. Jesus, God in the flesh, has taken the position of a slave, and Peter is shocked. You can't wash my feet. But Jesus is doing this to prepare Peter for what's about to come, for the hour that is ahead Look at John chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus in his high priestly prayer says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. The hour is the crucifixion. And what does Jesus say is the crucifixion? It's his glorification. It is the place where he will be exalted on the cross. This is the opposite direction of the theology of glory. This is the path of suffering and humiliation. And yet Jesus says that that leads to his glory. Everything is upside down in this message. Christ is exalted by being lifted up on the cross. What does this tell us, beloved? 
it says to us something very profound. God is not like us. You cannot reason from your experience. You cannot reason from what you think is good and right to understand who God is. We will pursue advancement and self-improvement. But God reveals himself as one who goes to the cross. This reveals to us that it is only by knowing God as he reveals himself in Jesus Christ that we can know God. It is by the cross that we know God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 to 25, Paul lays this out. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see, Paul is laying out the, the thing that Peter is stumbling over here. How can God wash feet? This is a stumbling block to my understanding of what it means to be in glory. How can God do something so foolish as wash feet? And beloved, we cannot reason ourselves to understand how these things work. We have to look and make sense of them by the cross. Our minds will drive us in the wrong direction because it is by the cross that God's greatness Power, wisdom, and goodness is most manifested to us. We see those things by Jesus on the cross. We want to know what, what greatness is. We look to the cross. We want to know who God is. We look to the cross. By the cross, we know God. Second, though, we recognize that by the cross or living by the cross of Christ means that by the cross, we are cleaned. So we look down at verses 8 through 11. By the cross, we are cleaned. If we come with an I can theology, we come to it with this non existent verse in our hearts Heaven helps those who help themselves. That is not in the Bible. The Bible never communicates the message that God helps those who help themselves. But we believe that that must be the way it is. Because we, we preach places that say, here's three things that you need to do to make your life better. 
Or here's how you can have your best life now. Or the trick is positive thinking. There is much preaching of I can, and it sickens God. The gospel is not a gospel of self-help. It is not a gospel of self-improvement. We see Peter stumbling here as we look at verse 8. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. What is Peter saying there? You shall never wash my feet. He is saying, I'll take care of my own feet, Lord. They are not for you to clean. I will take care of it. You see, I can responds with personal pride. It responds with offense at the message that Jesus cleans feet. Stay away from my feet. In a theology of I can, I can't handle my feet. Why? Well, feet are kind of an embarrassing place. I mean, I don't want many people around my feet. When I was in high school, there was a friend of mine who just wore flip-flops all the time. And uh, his feet and those flip-flops smelled awful. They filled the whole room sometimes with the smell of his feet. Feet stink. Feet are ugly. A theology of I can says keep that from Jesus. Don't get that close. You see, fundamentally, I can makes ourselves right before we come. You, do you hear what I am saying? An I can theology says I have to make myself ready and right before I can come to God. I will clean my feet, not God. That is what I have to do before I come to God. And so the I can message pushes Jesus away. But look at what Jesus says to Peter. The rest of verse 8. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Jesus, again, is talking about so much more than than washing the feet here. He's, He's talking about something much deeper. Can you imagine Christ washing between your toes? Working out the dirt and the toe jam? Being in that smelly place at your feet? Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine what it was like for Peter to have Jesus doing that? It's almost too much to bear. I can totally understand Peter's objection. But if it is hard for us to imagine the image of him cleaning our toes, cleaning our feet, what if you were to see him covered in the filth of your sin on the cross? You see, this is a a lesser image to prepare Peter for the greater demonstration of Jesus' cleansing that he is going to do on the cross. It is the, the message of sin as contamination and filth of the soul that Jesus is speaking of when he says, uh, if I do not clean you, you have no part in me. You see, the Bible tells us that sin is something that God must wash away from his good creation. The first experience that we have of that is in uh, Genesis chapter 6, where God says to Noah that it's time to build an ark because he is going to flood the earth to blot out the sinfulness of man. Blotting out is, is like taking a sponge and working out the deep fibers of stain and, and dirt that has taken over his creation. And that filth is sin. The sacrificial system that is put in place in Leviticus is all about putting to death an animal who takes upon himself our uncleanness, which is another word that God uses for sin. See, Jesus, when he says, if I do not clean you, you have no part in me. And the image of the cross is far more humbling than the image of him washing feet. It is not with a towel, but with his sacrificed body that he cleanses us from our sin. It is not with water, but it is with his blood that he washes out our stain, that he makes us white as snow. You see, the cleaning that Jesus is talking about is the cleaning that he does by dying on the cross in our place. As the book of Revelation chapter 7 verse 14 says, I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It is the cross that is the washing that Jesus is speaking of. The washing by his blood Beloved, the washing that Jesus is speaking of here is much deeper than feet. And so, 
Jesus is throwing under into the dumpster this, uh, this message of I can, that heaven helps those who help themselves. He is instead telling us by the cross, by his coming down to wash feet, that there is no salvation, there is nothing in you. Even your righteousness is filth. You are, in fact, helpless. And until we come to the place that cries out, clean me, Jesus, we will never be okay before God. When we live by the cross, we find love's fullness. That is what we're told there in verse 1, that he loved them to the end. The word end there is, is another word that can be translated to the fullest extent, to fullness. He loved them to the fullness. And so we see in the washing of feet, which is an image of the cross, that Jesus loves us to the fullness. And how does he love us to the fullness? He loves us to the fullness by washing us clean. Because we cannot wash ourselves clean. As Paul tells us in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still filthy, Christ made us clean. I know I have shared with this church many times my, my testimony. But the moment that Jesus called me to be his own, when he, he broke into my heart of stone and made me alive, I was in a shower. I confessed my sins. I confessed the filth that I had brought into my life thinking that I can be a good person all by myself. I confessed all the things that I had rationalized as good and right and appropriate that were in fact disobedient and evil to God's law. I came to a place in that shower of utter helplessness so aware of the crushing weight of my unrighteousness and my disqualification that I felt like I was going to crumble like a bag of rocks. I began to weep these heaving, gasping sobs where your mouth just kind of hangs waiting for the, the, the emotion to come out. From the bottom of my soul, I was weeping. I just said, forgive me. Forgive me. And that is when the Lord let me feel that water in a way I had never felt before. I was being washed. I was being cleansed the deepest, most odorous parts of my soul 
We're being cleansed and blotted out. I was being renewed. I was being made clean. That is what happens when we live by the cross, when we give up the pursuit of fixing ourselves, of believing in I can. It is by the cross. It is by Christ who has lowered himself to clean us that we are cleaned. Beloved, have you come to Christ to have your sins washed away? You cannot make yourself right. He will do that for you. You just have to call out, save me, clean me, make me new. And third, when we live by the cross, we are servants for one another. If we are living in an I can theology, our pursuit of life is not a life of, of service and humbleness and meekness. It is a pursuit of greatness. What we value in this world is honor, superiority, wealth, and authority. The image of, of the person who is is killing it in the I can theology is the person that we meet in the Gospels is the rich, young ruler. He is rich. He is clearly doing things that are good and, and by all external appearances is blessed by God. He is young. He's getting it done early and fast. He is well on his way. He is ahead of everyone else. He is a ruler. He has advanced himself to a place of honor and authority. This person is clearly blessed by God. This person is clearly close to God. And why we know that? It is because he is high. He has made much of himself. But Jesus here in John chapter 13 tells us the way of the cross is much Different. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, If then your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Listen to that again. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus is saying that his washing of our feet should change what we believe is valuable, what we pursue, what we do with our life. Jesus is saying that the litmus test of whether we know ourselves by the cross is seen in how we serve and love others. Because if our Lord lowers himself, then if we understand that, 
We ourselves are low. If our Lord gives himself sacrificially to us, then we give ourselves sacrificially to others. It means that if we grasp the gospel, if the gospel is is alive in us and, and is being lived out in us, that what we pursue, what we value in this world is different than what is valued by others. It is not honor and superiority and authority that we measure ourselves by, but by the opportunity to serve and to serve in low and unseen places. Beloved, as I came to this place in the sermon, I I struggled for a long time to, to think of examples. I don't know what that means, except to say perhaps I can theology is deeper in our churches than we want to admit. But as I was thinking, I was reflecting upon one of my professors in seminary, Dr. Tomlinson, the smartest, most advanced person in Greek uh, that I've ever met. He knew the Bible frontwards and backwards and, 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 and had insights that were as, as deep as you had time. He spent his days teaching PhDs and master's students. But then, in his own church, he taught a children's Sunday school. I found that out not from him. I found that out as an observation from somebody else. You see, my professor did not take all of his training, all of his uh, equipping to be high and superior. He made himself low. He gave himself to teaching just the little children. Is that spirit in us? of allowing ourselves to do the lowly things, to do the sacrificial things. This is summarized in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Beloved, this is yours in Christ Jesus, the mind and the spirit that makes ourselves a servant is one of the ways that we reveal that we know the cross of Christ for our sakes. 
the rich young ruler was told by Jesus, who, when he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, sell all that you own. Come follow me, and you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus gave to the rich young ruler the way of the cross, the way of lowliness, the way of self-denial, the way of following him. The rich young ruler did not want to live by the cross. For we are told that his face fell and he walked away. You see, the theology of I can will lead us away from living in Christ and living for Christ because it cannot accept life by the cross. Beloved, has Christ's love made you lowly and loving like him? By the cross, we are servants for one another. As we conclude, are you living the way of I can? Or are you living by the cross? If you find yourself living in the way of I can, let me leave you with these words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. If you are living in a theology of glory, if you are living in the, in the world of I can, then be warned, the most righteous people that ever lived were not righteous enough to qualify for the kingdom of heaven. If you choose the way of I can, you will never finish and you will never arrive. And you will be the greatest of all fools. Jesus gives us John chapter 13 as an image of the cross to show us the way of life. Those who live by the cross instead hear these words. It is finished. Those are the words of those who live by the cross who know God who are cleaned by Christ and who know what it means to be a servant. They know they are clean. They know they are with him. And they have rest by the cross. Is that you, beloved? Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon from River Community Church. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana, whose purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org.